Welcome to Thinking Ahead, your leading edge insights podcast. Each episode reveals the latest insights on today's consumers and offers a sneak peek of tomorrow's marketplace. Stop guessing what's next and start thinking ahead. Hello and welcome. This is Hannah, your host for this episode of Thinking Ahead, a GFK Insights podcast. Joining me today is John Brand, Senior Vice President of Marketing Effectiveness. John has worked from creative, media, and research sides of brands in a variety of different industries. Now, he currently works with brands in their brand development and advertising. Welcome, John. Glad to be here today, Hannah. Yeah. Great to have you. Now, John is also the North American leader in the AdFit Optimizer, which is a product we have here at GFK, and that brings me to today's topic, effective advertising. Now, no matter who you are, you see ads everywhere. All advertisements have the challenge of speaking louder and being more memorable than its peers, and there's a constant innovation to get this done. Now, this is going to be a really obvious statement, especially for you, John, who works with ads all the time, but the ad world has changed. You know, the first word that comes to mind for me is digital and this huge trend in digital advertising that we have. But can you just start from the top and break it down for us on how and why it's changed? Well, there's a couple of key dynamics. You know, digital became more important um, as it became available a number of years ago and it was viewed as a low cost option for advertising. Others looked at it as a place where you could find younger people and those who were shifting away some from other traditional media. Um, but what's really happened and the most important dynamic is it hasn't actually necessarily replaced traditional media, uh, such as TV, it's added on. And what's been happening is an increase in the number of branded exposures people get every day. And this has been a bit overwhelming to people. And um, roughly two thirds of the people say they are overwhelmed today with the amount of advertising they're exposed to. And that influences um, uh, the ability of an ad to get and keep people's attention. We think that's the biggest dynamic. Digital is definitely a part of it and creates some unique issues, um, but it's this overwhelming amount of branded messages that's really driving some of the changes today. Now, thinking of the times, in what ways has the coronavirus accelerated this evolution in ads? People have been watching more media uh, since they've been home. Uh, I think that some of that is going to level out over time as people get into new routines. Um, But they have been watching more. Um, But at the same time, um, you're seeing people watching a lot more uh, streaming video where it's easier for them to skip beyond ads, which makes it a bigger challenge for the marketer. The other thing that's happened is there's been a little bit of a decline in trust. Trust in the that Companies are not trying to take advantage of consumers during these difficult times. And that's something that companies are going to have to claw back to. And it means that the messaging and the advertising is going to really have to reinforce and instill that this is not just self-serving, but it's really in the best interest of the consumer. And that's really who we're targeting it for. Um, The other thing that's happened, and this was a little bit more COVID-specific, is we had a lot of advertisers really focusing on the same messages and using the same type of visuals. It's one of those classic situations where everyone did an analysis and said, oh, 
We have to show that we're sensitive to the times. We have to show we're supporting first responders. We have to say we understand them. And everyone came up with the same answers and their ads all looked alike. Now, we're beginning to shift away from that some, but that's something that has to be kept in mind when you have these types of events that happen is how can you stand out and how can you make your advertising unique to your brand and unique to what's on the air? Now, you mentioned in that first question about mobile advertising being one of those big areas where people are constantly feeling like they're being bombarded with ads, which of course makes sense because advertisers go where the people are and people are constantly on mobile devices. Does mobile advertising work the same, though, as, say, other mediums such as TV advertising? Yeah, I I think mobile is a big issue. It's a big issue because as digital advertising has grown in terms of the quantity, uh, it shifted over the last couple of years so that now there's more advertising going on the mobile devices than on traditional laptops and desktops. So it's something we have to pay attention to. And do ads work differently there? Yes and no. Um, We've done a lot of analysis of this, and what we found is that a lot of the same tenants that are used for evaluating what makes a good ad apply to mobile ads as well. The key difference is that it is more challenging to get them to work on mobile. People are less inclined to pay attention to ads on mobile devices, and so it almost becomes a higher bar. Our experience is very few people are actually testing ads on mobile devices. It's something we can do in AdFit Optimizer, but we actually think that's the right way to go because it creates that stiffer bar that'll make sure your ads work across all the types of devices where they may be seen. Um, There's one other element that's unique to mobile, uh, and that's, You know, when ads are being shown on a smartphone, the screen is small. And that has an influence on what works visually. Um, You know, slates, logos, and things like that, the same font sizes that'll work on a bigger screen don't work on smartphones. They're too hard to read. We see this particularly affecting branding on some ads because while the branding looks strong on, let's say, a TV or a laptop, when you get to a mobile phone, it's just plain hard to see. The other dynamic that we see is that close-in shots do much better than, let's say, panoramic or Um, broader views. And that's because they draw the consumer in. And that's what you have to do on a mobile device is really draw people in. And um, so that's the other key thing that we've seen uh, that can make a difference with mobile devices. What about social, social media? Is that also playing a huge role in advertising? And do consumers interact with that differently versus the other mediums? Yeah, great, great question. Because social media, uh, Companies' interest in advertising on social media has been growing, uh, especially with programmatic advertising. Um, But we do find that advertising works differently on social sites, and there's a couple reasons for it. The first thing to keep in mind is that the bulk of the time people spend on social media sites are on smartphones. And because of that, you have to think about what works on a smartphone when you think about what works um, in social media. Um, The other thing that's really important to keep in mind is that in most social media environments, there's a default setting where the sound is turned off on advertising unless the person actually turns it on to see that ad. 
That means that in order to engage people to actually listen to your ad, you've got to do something visually that's going to draw them in. And that's a really unique requirement that you get in social media. Um, and it's really critically important because the other thing that we see in social media is that people are very focused on looking for content that they're particularly interested in. It's about family, friends, or the news that they're really focused on. And so they tend to scroll through the social media website fairly quickly. And what we see is even with a 15 or 30 second ad, if you tried to play that on social media, on average, people watch it for 2.3 seconds, which means they're really not watching the ads. They're just scrolling right by it. So that becomes kind of the ultimate challenge in, in social media. That makes me think of billboards on a street. It's almost the same thing. You only have two seconds while that car drives by. You only have two seconds while that finger scrolls by to get their attention. Absolutely. Now, you're saying that consumers are paying less attention to ads. I totally believe that. I know that I pay very little attention to a lot of the ads because there are so many. What do you suggest to help capture their attention? Um, there's two parts to attention as, as we view it. It's the ability to hook them into watching the ad and ability to keep their attention. You know, we see that only 50 to 60 percent of people watch entire ads, uh, video ads. So you have to be able to do both for it to be successful. But you have to start with hooking people because if you don't hook them, nothing else you do is going to be relevant. Um, And so how do you hook people? Well, what we've seen is you have to start with opening scenes that draw people in. They have to be personally relevant or a storyline that really hooks their attention. Um, When you can do that, that personal relevance and that engaging storyline, it it can really help make the ad more successful. There's a tendency sometimes in ads to let storylines build slowly over the course of the ad. And Um, What we find is quite often when that approach is being used, we get a lot of people falling off very early. They don't know where it's going. And so if you want to use that type of approach, you need to use some sort of signposting that tells people, hey, you're going to want to stay around and see what happens here because you're going to care about it. So that's one of the key things that we see. Another that's interesting is there's a visual element as well. Um, And and this is kind of interesting and and it went across against some things that I had believed in the past, and that's showing bright and vivid colors does a better job of drawing people in than darker colors. And we see this in both video and display ads that dark colored ads or muted ads don't pull consumers in. Brighter colors tend to definitely do it. Similarly, when people engage with another person on the screen, that helps draw them in as well. It does make it a little bit more of a personal interaction. Um, And then finally, the last thing that's really important in in terms of keeping their attention um, is either signposting with the story if you have it so they know where it's going and you keep their attention because there's a tendency for people to fade off, as I had mentioned, or, and I should say, having simple, straightforward messages and stories. The more complex they are, the more people are going to tune out. They just don't want to work that hard looking at advertising. This is really interesting because there's a phenomenon I've heard in the past from creative directors I've worked with who came from Europe who said that a lot of Europeans want to be brought along, want the story to develop for them. In the United States, we're less patient. Um, We want to know it's worth our time or we're just going to cut out. And so having it simple, straightforward, let them know where it's going is going to really help keep them engaged. That's definitely interesting when you look at, I mean, it must be a cultural difference that you have to also think of when you're creating advertisements. That's a really interesting point. 
Now, you obviously just said a lot of really specific advice, but overall, what are, is there a special recipe? Are there certain elements that an ad should have to really reach its full potential? You know, I've always joked, uh, and this especially uh, comes from the time when I was in agencies, that there's only one rule to effective advertising, and that's there's no rules. And that's because if an ad is really executed well, no matter what you do, it can work. But there's very few ads that achieve that goal of perfection in terms of of how they're executed. So there are some things that we like to throw out there that are some guideposts to think about. Um, I mentioned this just a minute ago. You've got to hook people in early in the ad. Um, Our experience is if you don't hook them, nothing else you do in the ad really matters. So that becomes actually really, really important. You have to have that clear and branded message. Our experience is it's really important that the message linked to the brand or the storyline linked to the brand, it can't just be an appendum. So if you have a storyline that doesn't have a natural linkage to the brand, um, a scenario or a benefit that doesn't link naturally in people's minds to the brand, it's less likely they're going to ultimately associate it with the brand, even if you're saying the brand name. So having that strong linkage to the brand and a message that's clear and simple is also important. Another thing that I think is um, overlooked sometimes is we find that making an emotional connection with consumers is really important. In fact, we find that on some of our core metrics, ads that create a strong positive emotion are three times more effective than ads that don't. Um, And so this becomes a really critical element. And I think a lot of times emotion ends up being driven by personal relevance. And so it gets back to that notion of creating ads that are really going to be meaningful to the people, not just to you as the marketer, but to your to the people you're talking to. Um, And then lastly, um, you know, we like to think about it that a lot of ads are a fleeting experience. You see it and five minutes later, you couldn't tell anyone what it was. For an ad to be effective, it has to leave a lasting positive impression. And that's something we try to measure in our system as well. And our experience is when you do all those things, then it rolls down into creating a strong response. And ultimately, those are the things that you need to drive um, effective ads. So, Just thinking about it in a technical term, let's say that I am a client and I research and I'm looking at these ads and I'm testing them to try to figure out what my company should be doing um, before they send out the advertising. What are the big challenges that I'm having when it comes to creating that ad and doing it with all of those elements? Because it's a lot to think of. It is. It is. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, There's been a lot of work done over the years uh, that have said that early ad testing, early ad concept testing uh, can make the ad development process more efficient and more effective. And a lot of the big companies will do an early ad concept test and then test the finished film because they recognize the challenges and they want to make sure they're on track before they invest in actually doing production. In our AdFit system, um, we actually do both. We could do early ad concept tests and um, late more finished ads. And, and we find with a lot of clients, that's a huge value. Um, but ultimately, one of the big challenges they have is, yeah, they know a lot of these things that have to be done. Um, And there's a desire in a lot of companies to test and to understand, are we achieving these things? But they're also on really tight timelines. And by the time they have an idea, they have days 
before they have to commit to production or days before they can finalize it and have to to send it into um um, to go on air. And so it's really the speed that makes it a huge challenge to them. Uh, that's one of the things, having heard that so much over the years, that we've really pushed when we developed um, our ad testing system, that we have pretty fast turnaround. Um, and and within a couple days of, uh, uh, of receiving an ad, we're able to give top-line Feedback that allows them to start making plans for moving forward, and just a couple days after that, a full analytic report, uh, which hopefully will help them be able to utilize that testing um, in the actual development of the final ads. Um, and, th- and that's a huge challenge because you know most advertisers are pretty savvy about what it takes to succeed. Getting there uh, is the bigger challenge, and getting beyond the blinders that we have because we all get excited when we create ads, and it's really easy to get excited about a big idea and to lose perspective of. But is it really doing those things that it has to? And and that's I think where testing really comes in. It's a matter of uh, of checking. Hey, have we really done what we know we have to do? Um, because Ad executives are pretty smart people. Right. Another question that I'm thinking of now, because you're talking about advertisers, and it is a huge portion of it is creativity. And I think there's a little bit sometimes a stigma when you look at testing and looking at numbers versus creativity. And it's almost like, how do you how do you measure creativity through numbers? So are testing environments really authentic enough to show real life results? Well, I, I think there's there's two responses to that. First is to your initial comment. Um, and, and one of the things I always tell my clients is, look, at, I worked in an agency. I was responsible for translating research results to our creative teams. And I know the sensitivities that they have. And like in a lot of research, I think what research does a really good job of is providing diagnostics. What's going on in the ad? What are the strengths? What are the issues? Um, what it can't do is give always give you the exact answer of how you fix it. That needs to fall into the hands of the creatives who really know how to use their creativity to find solutions when you help them understand what the issue is. And that's a key thing to testing. Um, environment does make a difference, though. Uh, it makes a difference between because a lot of the ad testing systems, most of them today, um, use what I call a clutter reel approach to testing and exposing creative. They have you know a number of ads that they have people watch one right after the other, and after they've watched them all, they they go into their interview to start asking questions. And the problem with this is that we know that people don't watch ads from beginning to end in real life. And because of that, um, you know, we're, we're not really understanding how that dynamic is influencing their reactions. Yeah, when you use a clutter wheel, you might know the ultimate answer. Hey, is the brand being communicated? Is a message coming through? What you don't know is why. And, and you could guess a lot of the whys, um, but you don't necessarily know what's causing it. And that's a vital diagnostic. In our system, one of the things that we did to recognize this is we actually do show ads in a somewhat natural environment. 
So for example, our standard for um, video testing is a pre-roll environment, not because all ads show in pre-roll, but because it allows us to expose it in something that people are used to seeing. Um, and what we've done is created a system for behaviorally measuring how they interact. We allow people to disengage from the ad to go to the video that they wanted to see at any point in time. We don't care about that feature per se, but it's a matter of being able to simulate how people actually interact with ads. And what we found is that our measures, our hook and hold measures, which really come out of that behavioral measurement, line up really well with in-market measures, both from tracking and market mix modeling. So it really suggests that, yes, those are working in terms of providing a real-life environment, and even more importantly, it's providing diagnostics that you can't get from a clutter reel to understand how people are interacting um, with individual parts of an ad. Realistically, how quick in that testing environment can you get results back? I'm thinking of your previous statement about how sometimes it is a mere day or two that an advertiser has to really get something out there. One of our key deliverables is a scorecard that includes a lot of our major, most of our major metrics and provides a lot of the insights that you're ever gonna get out of it. How long it takes depends on who your target is. Um, if we go with a general population target, typically in four to five days after receiving the creative, we will have a scorecard with you that's been analyzed and in your hands and we can talk to you about it. And typically, you know, maybe four days later, we'll actually have a PowerPoint that does a deep dive into subgroups, custom questions, and all sorts of things like that. Uh, so, you know, the overall turnaround um, is, is very fast. We've been told that it works really well for a lot of our clients. Um, the only systems that most of our clients have found that are any faster than that um, are not very robust systems. They just give a handful of metrics and don't really have the diagnostics built in to help them understand what they need to do or why it's working that way. So we've been pretty happy with that timing uh, uh, and uh, it's worked well for our clients. Well, unfortunately, we're almost out of time, but I could probably ask you more questions because you have some really good insights about this. But I will just ask one more, um, and that is the final question. Thinking ahead, will advertising continue to increase, and how will it shift in lieu of COVID-19 and now that many consumers are working from home? Because that really changes the dynamic in, you know, how they're seeing the advertisements. Yeah, and, you know, like everything else with COVID, um, we're, we all have ideas of what's going to happen longer term, and none of us are absolutely positive. Uh, you know, we do know that some habits have changed. Increased amount of um, watching things on um, streaming services, um, and, and that's affected what people are seeing and how they're seeing it. Screening services make it easier, scanning excuse me, um, streaming services typically make it easier for people to skip forward through ads or not pay attention to them. Um, and, and so that becomes a dynamic that's going to influence things longer term. The bigger question in my mind is, you know, what's happening with where we find people? What are the daytimes? Is that changing because they're no longer commuting? Um, what about where you find them in terms of what media they're watching or what environments they're going to be in? I think those are some really key questions. And those are questions that um, one of our divisions, MRI Simmons, is keeping a very close eye on to help our clients understand um, how that's changing over time. Well, thank you, John, for joining me on this episode of Thinking Ahead. 
If you want more information about anything that John talked about, I'm going to leave a couple of links below in the description for you. Also, be sure to subscribe and review so that you never miss another episode. We'll see you next time on Thinking Ahead. And now our closing segment, listen to this, where we'll share some fun facts pulled from our studies across GFK. Advertising can be costly, but it doesn't go unnoticed. Listen to this. 28% of those aged 18 to 24 find TV advertising to be interesting and quite often gives them something to talk about. That's 22% more likely than all adults. Demographically, this is even higher for Hispanics and African Americans. 29.5% of Hispanics and 36.1% of African-Americans find TV advertising interesting. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Thinking Ahead. For more information on today's topic, click the link in the description. We'll see you next time so you can keep thinking ahead.